talking about a parable, the parable of the watchful servants and uh, it'll uh, be something that the children will probably touch on in Kids for Christ but something that we need to look at right now because the message of this parable, the message of this story in the scriptures is be ready because Jesus is coming back again. So let's pray and then we'll see what God has to say to us from this passage. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. It's uh, true, it's real, it's living and it's right for us today. And we pray that as we read it and seek to understand it, your your spirit will take it and put it into our hearts and minds and uh, really just uh, cement it there so that we can remember it in the days ahead. And more than that, Father, so that we can be empowered to live it out by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a welcome to the folk on Zoom today. Uh, some people can't be here, but they're Zooming in. And Just a reminder too that if you're away on holidays or travelling somewhere and you can't make uh, worship service on Sundays, we do try every week to upload the messages to the website so that you can keep up to speed with where we are. And in, in thinking about that, uh, next Sunday I'd ask you to be praying for Rolf Stratemeyer. Rolf is going to be preaching here, he's doing the next step, the next less, uh, session in Galatians chapter 3. So I'd be praying for Rolf in his preparation this week. just want to read through Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 40. This is what it says. Jesus speaking this parable to his disciples. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. You got that picture? Uh, Be dressed with your lamps trimmed, ready for the master to return. Verse 37 says, Yep, it would be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. You got the picture there? The servant's waiting for their master to come but when he comes he's going to dress as a servant and will wait on those servants at the table. That's an interesting picture. Verse 38 It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. I'll explain that second or third watch of the night in a moment. Verse 39 But understand this, Jesus says If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. There's a comparable passage in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 to 13. Remember the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John were written from the perspective of those that uh, either heard Jesus Matthew, uh, Mark and John in person or Luke who researched uh, and spoke with those people that had heard Jesus. So they come at these stories from a different perspective but no less the single truth in them. And so I think I've got Matthew, Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13. Just from Matthew's perspective, uh, talking about the same parable that Jesus told. At that time, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus saying this, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. 
The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. It's midnight, remember? But while they're on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who already went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. And Jesus' emphasis in this story was, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So, similar story, similar parable from two different perspectives, from uh, Luke and from John, uh, from Matthew rather. And I think it's also in John's Gospel, yeah. Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So Jesus, through these parables, has been teaching some specific lessons about what it means to live in the kingdom of God. He's preparing them, these disciples, for when when he won't be with them physically present, for his departure and for their ongoing ministry as his followers, as his servants. He said that that he promised to return again for them at a future time. So, all these parables relate to Jesus coming back for his followers, for his church. So, they would be on their own without his direct supervision and they needed to know what was what was coming in the future. I don't know about you, but if somebody tells me that something's going to happen and, and I'm waiting for it and I'm waiting for it, they haven't given me a definite when it's going to take place and I'm waiting, I, I tend to get a little bit impatient, do other things, get distracted and he wanted to be make sure that his disciples didn't grow weary or lazy. He wanted to make sure that his disciples would be ready for when the Son of Man will come at a time that they are not prepared for is what his words say. So, that, <laughs> I mean, that message is, is for his disciples at the time but also for us today who believe in the Lord Jesus and seek to honour him in our lives by following him every day, then we need to be ready too because the promise is that he's coming back again for us, for his church, but we don't know when. So, we need to be ready. We don't need to be... We need to be careful we're not sidetracked and we, as David said, we, we forget the centrality of Christ and what he did on the cross. We've got to be careful we don't wander off from that as some have done, which is very sad. We're to be vigilant, watching for the Master's return. The picture that's used here is, uh, in this parable is of a Master who's gone away to a wedding banquet and with his bride he comes back for his first night at home and there's no lights on. Typical in those days, the lights were through a lamp and there were people who were available to light those lamps and had, have them ready, whether those servants or, or in the uh, uh, Matthew's uh, tra- uh, 
example, the, the virgins that were waiting. And they needed to have those lights ready for when the master returned or else he would stumble around the dark. Jesus wants us to think about what we want to happen when he returns and to prepare for it right here and right now. So what are you doing today? What are we doing today in our preparation for when Jesus is coming back again? That's what he's saying. And there's three things that I think we need to be prepared for today and that will be the basis of the message this morning. The first one is, be prepared for the Master's return. Verse 35 and 36 say that very much. Be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Be dressed and ready for service. Now, different translations use different sayings there but one translation says, gird up your loins. Anybody know what that means? Not in our culture, but certainly in the time of, of Jesus, the normal dress for men and for women was a long flowing robe. And that was because of the heat of the area and, and, and the comfortableness of, of doing work. But with that robe, if you wanted to uh, run, it was quite hard because you'd trip over it. If you wanted to bend down and pick up a heavy load, it was quite hard because it restricted you. So if you were getting ready for service, often you would do, and I'm a little bit hesitant to demonstrate this, I was going to wear a robe this morning, but I thought, no, no, they don't pay me enough to wear a robe in church. Okay, so the way it would be is they'd reach under, grab the back of the robe, pull it up, tuck it under their belt, pull the sides in, tuck it under the belt, and the the robe would come up and pass their knees so they'd be able to run or they'd be able to squat and lift and all that sort of stuff. Gird up your loins. Get dressed ready for service is what it said. Get dressed ready for service. So the picture there is that they were ready to do whatever they had to do. So that's the first picture. Um, The second picture, oh, I think I might even have a picture up here. Let me see. Oh, look at that. There's the instructions. So next time you're wearing a robe, if you want to gird your loins and get ready for service, just follow the pictures, okay? I can supply them to you later on or you can Google them one or the other. Okay. The second picture is to keep their lamps burning. Lots of different lamps are used, not lanterns like we have today, but they're oil-based lamp and you'll see there that in the spout of the lamp there was a wick and that wick would suck up the oil out of the bowl and that's what would get lit. I understand, I've never tried it, but I understand there was quite a technique to making sure that worked properly. So they had to be ready, they had to have all the implements ready for when the master was coming back so that when he came back, he wouldn't trip over in the darkness, he'd be able to see his way around the, around the house. Having, getting dressed ready or having your loins girded and having the lamp burning are preparation activities. They are activities that involve being ready and watching and waiting. In the SES, we, we have a standard phrase, hurry up and wait. So it means that you do all the training that you need to do for whatever um, uh, activity is required, whether it's working safely on heights or flood boat or land search. You do all the training so you're ready, you're prepared. And then when an activation comes, you get the phone call, you get the text, often it's get ready to go, but you're told nothing else. You you might be told it's a land search, get ready to go. But then you get another text which says meet at the headquarters in, in an hour's time. So you're all ready to go. So you grab your bag, you grab your, your gear and you're off ready to go. And then you get there and you're told to wait until 
another emergency service or the police give you information. Sometimes you're waiting for a while. It gets frustrating when you're waiting for eight hours to be told what to do. But, but you are prepared and you're ready. So that's what this parable's about, is being prepared for the Master's return. Verse 36 says, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door to him. So, some of the, most of these wedding banquets happened at night time in the, in the Jewish environment because it was cooler than during the day. Some of these wedding banquets lasted a week. I can't imagine that. These, I know some weddings these days are expensive, but to keep the party going for a week, that would be so expensive, wouldn't it? And so, but... But at the same time, as a part of the wedding preparations or the banquet preparations, there would be people allocated, servants or people uh, who are friends of the groom who would be at the house waiting for him to return with his new bride. And they needed to be able to open the doors and have the lights on. That's the preparation that they needed. And often it would be a case of having a lookout involved. The bridegroom's coming. So light all the candles up or the lamps up and they'd be ready to show the way. The point is, if I haven't said it enough this morning, the point is that we need to be ready for Jesus' return. And we're going to find out what we can do in a moment on how we can be ready for that. For us, we can't do anything physical. We can't have a lamp ready for when the Master returns. What we have to do is be prepared spiritually for when the Master returns. We need to be ready for when Jesus comes back in all his glory to take his church to be with him. There was a story told, I found this story about uh, Queen Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria and the fellow on the left hand side of that picture is a Church of England dean called Frederick Frederick Farrer. He was an author, he was a Deacon, if you like, uh, Archdeacon in the church and he was a trusted friend of Queen Victoria, personal friend. One occasion they had a conversation and he recalled the conversation, he wrote it down and uh, she had heard one of her chaplains preach a message on Christ's return. So Queen Victoria had heard one of her chaplains preach this message on Jesus coming back again. She said, she said to Dean Farrar, how I wish the Lord would come during my lifetime. That was Queen Victoria's desire. When he asked why she desired this to happen, her face lit up and with deep emotion she replied, because I'd love to lay my crown at his blessed feet in reverent adoration. She wanted to surrender her crown to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one that she trusted in. You know, not everybody thinks that way. In our world today, not everybody thinks that way about Jesus coming back again. Some people don't even know about it and certainly there's lots that don't believe it. But even as Christians, even people who say they're Christians, they have a different view on things about waiting for the Lord's return. Some are unmoved by his coming. Some have a cold, lukewarm maybe, theological knowledge of the facts which says, oh, it may be, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Their attitude is superficial, just mental knowledge rather than 
a faith-filled knowledge that what Jesus said he will do, he will do. So even in Christian circles, some people are unmoved that Jesus is coming back again. But others look expectantly, just like Queen Victoria, and are waiting for that time with with a holy reverence, if you like, or a holy enthusiasm. They're waiting for that time to give him the glory that's due to his name, the praise and adoration that he deserves. Thinking this way is when a person's heart is motivated by faith in the living God, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that expectation of seeing Jesus face to face once again. I had the sad news this week that a mentor and long-term friend of mine, Reverend Dr Stan Solomon, uh, who's been living in council, passed away. And uh, he would have been in his mid to late 80s, I think, uh, at the moment. But he had an incredible influence on my life. In fact, I wouldn't be a minister today if he hadn't said, John, trust God in this church and he can use you in any church. And so, but... He is looking at Jesus face to face and that thrills me no end and one day I'm going to see him again when I see the Lord too. So we need to be ready. We need to be ready for the last moment by continually keeping the light of our devotion to Jesus strong, trimmed and burning bright. That's the message of this parable. There's a few verses that relate to it being ready and having their lamps uh, uh, primed. and they, These ones are Luke chapter 8, verse 16. Jesus again teaching this story. No one lights a lamp and hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light but can see the room that the light brightens up. There's a song about that, isn't there? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's where that came from. This very verse. Luke chapter 11 verse 33, Jesus said, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead he puts it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Do you think that the light's important seeing as he reinforces it over and over again? I believe it is. Our light needs to be shining brightly for Jesus. People need to recognise that we know Jesus and we walk with him. That's a part of being ready when he comes back again. Luke chapter 12 verse 37 says it would be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth he will dress himself to serve will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. So the second thing about being prepared is that there will be a blessing on those who are ready by the returning master. Did you notice what's going to happen there? When he comes, he will dress himself as a servant and will wait on his servants. That's a staggering picture, isn't it? The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, is going to serve me at a table. He's going to serve us at a table. That's humbling. That's humbling. I wonder... If we're ready for that, it'll be, a, it'll be an incredible reward for those who are ready and waiting that the Lord himself will serve us. But that's a part of Jesus' nature, isn't it? He's always done that. He's always done that. He's placed a high value, a high premium on humble service 
and he, he requires servant leadership from those who are in leadership of the church because it's the example that he gave us. Can you remember the story where it was a cold, weary Peter that Jesus served a hot, hearty breakfast to on the beach? Even at a time when Peter was disobedient to what Jesus had told him to do. He had told Peter and the other disciples to wait in Jerusalem for him. And what did they do? They went fishing instead. Now, there's nothing wrong with fishing, don't get me wrong there, but what was wrong was that they got impatient and they weren't prepared to wait for Jesus to come. I wonder, what would Jesus be looking at our lives like? Would we be impatient for him to answer prayer? Would we be impatient for him to show us what he wants us to do in our lives? Jesus wants us to wait and be ready for what he has to show to us. There are some that are struggling with relationships, some struggling with finances, some struggling with physical pain. And it's the hardest thing to do is to be prepared to wait for Jesus to come and meet with us. Verse 38 goes on and it says, It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. This second or third watch is, uh, is midnight, is the second watch, and 3am uh, in the morning is the third watch. So even if he comes in, in the middle of the night or early morning, it will be good when the Master finds us ready. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That longing for his appearing has the same emphasis as waiting for that time. I wonder, are we longing for Jesus to come back again? Some of us would say, as soon as possible, dear Lord. The crown of righteousness is given to those who love and long for his appearing. Queen Victoria was, was willing to throw her crown at his feet to worship the living God. We are blessed when we wait for Jesus, when we're ready and waiting for Jesus. Verse 37 and verse 38 remind us that we'll be blessed as those servants were blessed by the, by, the, by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords being prepared to serve us. And the third and final thing that will happen to us if we're prepared for his return is that we'll be called to be faithful and have an expectant faithfulness. Verse 39 says in that passage, but understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into most of us take preparations so that our houses don't get broken into, whether it's just security screens and doors, locking the doors and all that sort of stuff. But some people are really sneaky these days. But if you knew that the thief was going to come to you, your place between 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock at night, what would you do? Don't answer that question. I don't want to hear some of the gory details. But I think we'd be ready, wouldn't we? The, uh, the big dog would be just inside the front door or whatever technique you use. Jesus is saying we need to be expectant just as if we were going to be surprised by a thief. We need to be ready for when Jesus comes again. Matthew 24 and verse 43 says this, but understand this, 
If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Keeping watch, being ready, is the message that's coming through here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Now brothers, this is Paul writing about the second coming, he says, Now brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Unexpected, unplanned for. It will just happen. And in Revelation chapter 16, verse 15 says, Behold, Jesus said, I come like a thief. Blessed blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. So Jesus said it will be a sudden, it will be unexpected. It's that point, that readiness, that expectation that he's trying to highlight here. And in verse 40 he says the same thing. You also must be ready. It's not an option. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. I'm, I'm always disappointed when I hear different teachers and preachers predicting Jesus' return, setting dates, using some calculation based on, on an interpretation of prophecy. It, 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 it upsets me because this is what we're told. We don't know the hour but we need to be ready. We don't know the hour but we need to be ready. It could be today or tomorrow. Chuck Smith, in one of his writings, says, do you think Jesus will come today or tomorrow? No. That's interesting because Jesus is coming when we don't expect him, like maybe today or maybe tomorrow. The question is, are we ready? There's a story of a person who lived in California in the US which is notorious for earthquakes. And uh, this lady goes to sleep every night with her shoes and a torch under her bed. When she was a little girl, her father required every family member to be ready to leave the house if an earthquake were to come during the night. She says that during a tremor, windows shatter and electricity is lost. With shoes, she can walk on broken glass and with a light she can find her way in the dark. She never goes to bed without them. She's ready for an earthquake. When Jesus spoke to his followers about his return, he said, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So what does it mean for us to be ready? Just some final points this morning. Jesus said, instead of worrying about material things, we've got to trust God's provision and make his kingdom our priority. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with material things but he needs to be the priority over and above those things. Second thing, we're to, instead of fear that grasps us, we are to demonstrate that, that faith gives. Faith gives hope, faith gives peace, faith gives the promise of the future. So are we living people who are afraid of what tomorrow might be like or are we are people who give our lives, no matter what tomorrow is like. Like faithful servants, we should expect our master at any time because he'll return at an unexpected hour. Are we ready? Are we ready for Jesus' return? Are we preparing for eternity? Are we showing responsibility in doing that? One man commented, commented this, I hope I don't die suddenly. 
I want to have time to straighten out some relationships. A second man promptly spoke up, well, why don't you do it anyway? If it's worth doing, do it now. The point is, if there are things you need to straighten out, do it now in a thoughtful fashion. Don't wait until the doctor tells you you've got three weeks to live. One day, while St Francis, St Francis of Assisi, uh, the priest, the, the, the uh, notable priest, was hoeing his garden, he was asked, what would you do if you knew you only had one day to live? What do you think he might have said? He said, I would just keep on hoeing my garden. He knew that he was right with God, no matter what happened in the next day. I wonder if we're the same. I want to finish this morning with a story and then a short poem. The story is about a a teacher who told his class that he was going away for a few weeks and he offered to give a prize to the student whose desk he found in the best order when he came back but he didn't tell them what day he would return. That's pretty sneaky, isn't it? Pretty sneaky for a teacher. I didn't know teachers were that sneaky. But the prize was a big one and because it was a big prize, each child decided to, they were going to get it, including a little girl whose desk was normally quite messy. Her classmates laughed at her. Mary, you'll never win. Your desk is never neat, was the common thing that they said to her. Oh, I plan to clean it every week from now on, she said. But someone said, suppose he comes at the end of the week. Hmm. Then I'll clean it every morning, she said. But another classmate said, he may come at the end of the day. For a moment, this little girl was silent in thought. Then she said decidedly, I know what I'll do. I'll just keep it clean. She was going to be ready. We want to receive the Lord's approval when he returns. We must always be ready for when he comes back. Today, tomorrow, we don't know when. We are to live constantly in that state of spiritual readiness, if you like, anticipating that any moment he will come, he will appear and will ask us to give an account of our lives. I want to finish with this poem this morning. Jesus is coming, I don't know when, but of this I'm sure he's coming again. So you'd better get ready, no time for delay. For Jesus is coming, it may be today. I wonder if you're ready for Jesus to return at any time. Most of us have plans, you know, if only or what if or one day when for our lives, our future, our holidays, our houses, our jobs, whatever. But what if, and there's nothing wrong with those plans by the way, what if Jesus came tomorrow? Those plans don't matter anymore. What we need to do is be right with him today. There's only, way, only one way you can do that, as David reminded us this morning, and that is to daily have Jesus as the centre of our lives. If he shows that we've done something wrong or said something wrong, put it right with him, put it right with the person that we've wronged. Keep a clear conscience before God. Walk in the power of his spirit every day. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? I trust you are. Let me pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for these stories that Jesus told they were pointed, they had a real meaning for, for all his listeners and for us today. We thank you, Father, that we can have that absolute assurance that we sang about, that Jesus is coming back again. I pray, pray that he'll be pleased to find us ready and waiting. 
that our spiritual lamps will be trimmed and ready to be lit up, that they'll be showing the way, that he'll find us ready to be with him for eternity. Father, there are people in our world that struggle with a lack of hope and a lack of purpose and a lack of um, uh, understanding what tomorrow could bring. But we know that with you all those questions are answered and we can be confident that we'll be with you for eternity because we've trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We thank you for that. In his name. Amen.